This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We will recap an electric night of fights at UFC 275, Teixeira vs. Prataska, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts, and last but not least, we'll preview UFC Fight Night, Cater vs. Emmett. Here we go. Alright, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. Finally, some good fights, um, and we have a good card ahead of us, so finally a, uh, a little run here of excite- excitement. Um, I guess we said last week that the card wasn't necessarily the most stacked pay-per-view we've ever seen, but at the same time, you never know, and I don't think we said anything too bad about it, so... Um, but it ended up being, you know, one of those cards that really overperformed as far as excitement levels. But before we get to all that, we start as we always do with our take of the week. So Ryan, as always, take us away. All right. So take of the week, and uh, and just like that, the uh, the light heavyweight division has gone from uh, an absolute graveyard to uh, one of the most exciting up and coming divisions in the UFC. It feels like you got a. Uh, you're Prohaska, now the uh, champion. You got some exciting matchups um, as far as guys like Jamal Hill coming up. And uh, I don't know, I ho- kind of hope they don't go the route of like Jan Blockwitz. Like, that just seems ridiculous. But like, let's keep this like moving forward and not risk like Jan just laying on Yuri for five rounds or something and just uh, taking us right back into the graveyard, you know? Yeah, we're definitely in sync here because my take was that. I don't like of anything. I think they should just do a rematch for Glover's sake with your uh, with you, Jerry. Let him get it out of the way. If he loses, he's probably done. Right? He's not going to fall in a fight. Like, give him another chance at the title. If he wins, he gets to defend it against the next up and comer. If he loses, he's probably done. Either way, that keeps the division moving. And I I don't see any reason why you'd go with the Jan Blockwitz route. I don't know. Like, it's basically ties into what you're saying of just keeping the two of five division moving while there's some excitement or some buzz around it that hasn't been there since basically since John Jones left. And even John Jones's like last four fights were not exciting fights. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, I think Glover's the fight, the rematch is the fight to make. Like, look at it this way. If Yuri wins, then, you know, that's settled and he can move on to whoever has came out of these fights like um, Anthony Smith versus Ankalaev and Jan Blockwitz can fight maybe Jamal Hill or somebody in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, if Glover wins and we get a trilogy and the division can still sort itself out, it's not like we got a line of top contenders that haven't fought for the title recently. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's not like yeah. we got like a huge stack of young guys up and coming. There is kind of a block, like some old guys, some young guys mixed in, let them sort it out. If there's a trilogy that allows time for that. And if either way, if we just have one fight to it, allows a little bit more time to figure out the division yeah and otherwise we just come like the problem is if we if we do like if you let it just be Jan, yuri and glover and you turn this into like a three-man tournament the the belt could just shift or it, it could tie it up for another two years yeah because one exactly. guy could be it could be rock paper scissors all over again and you could get stuck in uh <laughs> while these other guys just all fight each other and keep in mind like when two guys when, say, Paul Craig and Jamal Hill fight each other, 
one guy's got to lose and drop off so then he loses his shot while you know the other guys are fighting and basically playing rock paper scissors so yeah i mean i mean in a perfect world in my mind it would be like guys like anthony smith would kind of slowly get eliminated from the equation yeah exactly uh say like jan blahovich would maybe get another shot eventually hopefully not right away but like i i don't i don't like jan blahovich versus ankle would be a good fight like if he beats anthony smith then fight jan blahovich and then in the meantime, we set up the rematch between Glover and uh, Yuri because we know that's going to be a good fight one way or another. Yeah. I just think there's a pretty nice blueprint here to keep the like the division alive, right? And there was no blueprint for it for the last like three years. <laughs> exactly, and let's not forget like Jan. People seem to forget like he won off of an injury like that <laughs> he did not even cause, just a freak injury. Like this guy does not deserve a title shot. Like he's three got, weeks ago, yeah, he's got <laughs> one win off of. Uh, a torn ACL, like this guy's a bum. I, as far as I'm concerned, we should send him off the uh, Corey Anderson, the Beast in twenty five eight route, and just let him, uh, l- you know, release him of his own free will and send him off to Bellator to uh, maybe embarrass Corey Anderson. That'd be maybe like a double win for us. Yeah, I mean, at one time it was going to be one or the other, remember? And then he knocked out Corey Anderson. <laughs> yeah. So at one time that was that was the path he was headed down. I just. I don't hate. I don't really dislike Jan, but it's like the first of all, the Polish power thing is crazy because he's got like five knockouts, yeah. and the rest are all decisions. Everybody's is always saying, "Oh, it's a real thing. It's a real thing." No, it's not. It's like, so rare. He like his knockout streak started with Luke Rockhold, who wasn't even a two hundred five er, and then right. he knocked out Corey Anderson, whose chin has also been suspect, and then he knocked out Dom Reyes, which was pretty. That was a pretty nice knockout. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. He's a guy. He was in the right place at the right time. He's overperformed as an underdog um like what would you say like most of the time and he was in the right place at the right time the division got cleaned out by john jones and he was standing in a good in a good spot when it happened and um glover made sure to take advantage of that and then now jerry's on top of glover kind of puts you on down there for even further like i said i just would like to see him fight like an, a legit like an ankle live or somebody before he gets in their title shot so like we i think we're both on the same page just Give Glover his rematch. Probably the best thing to do. He's 42, 43, whatever. If he wins, he'll probably defend it maybe once or twice. If he loses, he's probably done. So why drag that, why drag that out any longer than they have to? Yeah, and let's be honest. It's not like Glover's this like unbeatable guy. Like If he gets the title, he's probably not going to hold it for that long oh, yeah, e- either s- way. It's not like he's going to have to retire with the belt, most likely. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, there's plenty of options here. Like, I think I think both of us have the same point that there's plenty of options now. There didn't used to be, but there's definitely a path that like we don't want to see it go down. And there, I'm almost afraid that's probably where it's going to go, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I I trust the UFC for the most part to not try and make boring matchups and and ruin the division. So, um, but it just seems like there's like just a ton of. Uh, I don't know a lot of people that talk about you know do podcasts and stuff or just fans in general want to see Jan for some reason I just don't get it like what does everybody see in this guy that think, I'm not seeing I don't get it I think he just turned himself into a fan favorite by being an underdog story yeah he's a goofball he's like knockoff Stipe <laughs> yeah that's kind of <laughs> Stipe Stipe had a little better run than than Jan but yeah that's a good point but anyhow we'll move on to our recap though we actually this is probably the best we've done of 
like talking about an event without actually like mashing up our recap at the same time. So, um, what was this? UFC 275 Singapore. Um, exciting event. Uh, and we had our main event, Glover Teixeira versus uh, Jerry Prohaska. I will say, if you gave me 50 guesses at what the most likely outcome of this fight was, Jerry by submission in round five would have been <laughs> not on the top 50. No, no, that was uh, that was wild. Didn't even have the hooks in or anything. He just just had that pressure. Glover tapped. I think Glover, Glover was gassed. But, I mean, this fight was just absolutely electric. It was... Uh, back and forth it was um just everything you could want in a main event really right it was uh glover was gonna win one second yuri was gonna win the next second like you never knew what was gonna happen like yuri was in spots that i going into this fight didn't think he'd be able to survive and he (laughs) was survived him not with ease but like he it wasn't like it didn't seem like he didn't know what he was doing out there. He has a lot better ground game than I, I expected for sure. I'm absolutely shocked at how he handled himself on the ground and stuff because I thought he was going to be a Justin Gaethje situation where, yeah. like, I had, like, a oh, he should be fine, but then, like, thinking somebody should be fine and them actually – this is, like, like what what is his record? Like, 26 and 3 or something, and he's got, like, 25 knockouts or something, like something – or 25 finishes, something outrageous. But his losses, he, he fell over dead against King Mo, who at one time was a decent fighter, but this is, he really wasn't at the time when he beat uh, – when he beat Jerry. He not, basically fell over in the second round, completely gassed out. A lot of guys are like, you can improve your gas tank, you can improve your style to, like, get better, but, like, if that's your starting point, you usually don't get to the point where you can fight a back-and-forth five-round absolute slobber knocker grappling the whole time and knock ass out which is kind of how i mean he was tired clearly but i i mean i i thought that if gas tanks got involved and if ground games got involved i thought that was going to be a terrible combination yeah the gas tank was should have been more involved than it was because yuri was absolutely gassed in that fifth <laughs> round i mean he his punches you, you know when you see a guy that just ends up like it like just looks like they're barely getting their arm out there. That's yeah. how Yuri was punching in the fifth round, and there was no chance he was knocking out Glover. And uh, but he got the submission, so I guess he knew that he knew what he had to do and uh, found a way to do it. So yeah, those punches were like the punches I have in my nightmares when I'm trying to fight people <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah, it looked like he was like you know like his arms weighed a thousand pounds or something when he's trying to punch. But, yeah, uh, and he was getting glover rocked him twice right off the bat right at the start of the fifth round i'm like oh there there it goes yeah i think glover jumped that guillotine which everybody's making like a huge deal of but i don't I don't think it's the worst thing in the world i mean it was a big mistake don't get me wrong but like anthony smith said i, I was listening to him talk on i think ariel's podcast he was saying like yuri he just dangles his head out in front of you a lot of times when he's hurt so like yeah just it's just your instinct to try to snatch up the neck and uh yeah, you just fall off. He's all sweaty and bloody in that fifth round, and there's no chance you're going to lock it in, but it's just natural reflex to go for it, kind of, especially for a guy like Glover. Yeah, and what do you th- – as far as Jerry, do you think that he's like – is there there really is a method to his madness, or do you think he's just uh, just a wild man who's getting away with it? Just a wild man that's getting away with it, in my opinion. I, there can't be any method to that. Um, I was seeing – like, there was, like, Yuri, the, his stance uh, with – he could have like a high kick to his left side. He he fights with his left hand at his knee, yeah. And uh, and he 
Glover almost got him, but Glover could almost only get his leg up to about oh. Yuri's shoulder. So he had no chance of landing that head kick. But like um, a longer guy like Jamal Hill, I think might put him out with uh, with the head kick. Yeah, any of those guys. Ankle Live's got good kicks. Uh, actually, Jan has pretty good kicks too. Yeah. Rake, Rakich has really good kicks. Yeah. I mean, he did. We don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's so many interesting matchups now. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see what they what they do next. I just hope it's not uh, Jan regaining the title somehow. Yeah, there's a, there, it's finally like all these guys have kind of come to the top at the same time. So, um, yeah, well, I never – I didn't think I'd see the day where the 205 division was – stacked and it's all the same people it's no nothing there's like there's new guys but like guys have matured like it took ankle i have a long time to like get up to the top five it took jamal hill did it quickly but he came i kind of came out of nowhere and it's like yeah it's just uh i never thought i'd see the day when the 205 division would be exciting again and it should be because it's like the perfect it's like the these guys are huge and they're fast like there's it's like these are like they're not like Flyweights are fun because they're super fast, but they're also tiny little teeny boppers. Yeah. These guys kind of have the total package, and it should be, I don't know, I'm just surprised it's so hard to find them, but uh, it's good that they are uh, they are uh, uh, in a good spot now. So Yeah, I think part of the reason it's hard to find out, I think 205 is like a division for that other elite sports athletes participate in instead of that's like That's a really good point. You know? That's a really good point, yeah. If you're... If you're like six four and jacked, you're probably yeah. <laughs> you're probably pursuing other passions. Exactly. So, but every once in a while we get a few of them in MMA and and it's electric. So, all right, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and again, one last thing I'll just point out: like this podcast is like older than Jerry's UFC career. Like, remember when he first came out? That was we were like month, months, maybe like maybe six to eight months into our. And we kind of knew like it was like. Knew he could. We knew he had this potential. Like it's it's cool to see like a uh, like I, I kind of compare him to like a Gaethje type fighter that is a wild man, actually going out and winning the belt. So that's pretty awesome. Kind of just capped off a a, a great card. So, um, but anyways, move on to and he's a just bleed guy. So credit to him for that. But anyways, move on to uh, Shevchenko versus Talia Santos. This was a weird fight, an odd fight, a strange fight. Um, a lot of different opinions on this fight. Um, the strike numbers are outrageous. Like Valentino landed like 300 strikes to Santos is like 85 or something crazy. I just made those numbers up, but it was something not close. Um, but Santos had Valentina's back several times, pretty much out wrestled her in a lot of situations. Oh yeah. She just seemed a little bit stronger. She got the position anytime. Valentina was really giving it away early. Like yeah. I think if they really, I'd, everybody's saying they want a rematch they want to see this like immediate rematch basically because it was so close that's the last thing for tyla santos and her career trajectory i hope she goes and takes a few more fights because valentina can fill a few holes and like if she doesn't initiate a few of those wrestling sequences that she loses on in those 50 50 positions like this is standing for a lot longer than it was like it's not like her wrestling was like out of this world like a lot of the ground control time came off of valentina mistakes which she could easily uh easily you know fix that if she uh going into the rematch do you have anything on the judging for your call out or anything no okay so yeah if we no, i do have i do have something on the job i have well not necessarily on the judging i have like 
it, I don't have the judges or like I more so have like the I guess it's just calling out like DC and his oh bias commentary <laughs> yeah so yeah so I guess we go into the judging a little bit on this I mean I think for everybody that's saying like that it's a robbery for somebody to give four rounds to uh, Valentina I think I gave four rounds to Valentina for sure I mean this is how the sport is scored like if you don't like it like don't complain you know we don't want to hear it but this is just what it is like effective and it was kenny florian talking about it a lot on the uh, anakin florian podcast like effective grappling and effective striking they're scored the same well but they're not the same they're they're really not and effective striking is going to win over effective grappling unless like if you're landing damage for khabib his that's effective grappling that should be scored the same as damage on the feet if you're you know, effective grappling is just control and nothing else. That shouldn't two and a half minutes of effective striking and actually landing damage <laughs> should not be negated by two and a half minutes of having somebody's back and not landing any strikes. Actually being outlanded by the person that you have their back. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Like where does this come from? I don't get it. It's just all these like grappling tryhards that want to like push it so hard that would just prefer if they just sat on the ground and laid on each other for five rounds. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. So I mean, Valentina won those rounds. I think fair and square, especially especially if you go back and watch it. I think a second time, I think it's a lot just the underdog like doing That's, better than you expected. So and I I initially in my head was thinking that Santos won for sure won round one, but it was just a shock factor that she got on her back and had her in trouble for like the first time ever. Yeah, she has her back, but she's not. Yeah, she's trying to put a choke and Valentina's controlling the hand. She's just kind of just she, throwing one arm over her neck, which is literally has no shot of ending the fight yeah. when Valentina has control of her wrist the entire time. So it's like, come on, you can't score that round. Like even if it's two minutes versus three minutes, three minutes of control versus two minutes of Valentina landing damaging strikes like that wins the round according to the rules like yeah and actually the shot she was landing from like the shots Valentina was landing were actually had some power on too because she was turned a little bit enough to where they weren't just like behind the head slap she was actually landing pretty solid punches and Santos did not want to let go because she was basically holding on for dear life because she thought she had her in a position um and compromising position it should be a lesson to some of these fighters. When you have that body triangle on, just don't sit there and go for rear naked chokes that you're never going to get for three minutes. Like, just start pounding. Just start throwing throwing strikes. Like, you have a tight body triangle on, just start hitting them. But you don't want to lose the position. That's why you don't, you're trying not to do that. But you're not going to score. So, you know, you got to take some chances here. Yeah. Do you think that Valentina was ever in any danger at all? Uh very rarely no not really i don't think i don't think so i mean she was in danger of maybe losing if we had the wrong judges but um in actual danger of the fight being finished i don't I yeah don't do think you think so. she was ever in do you think there was ever a any of those were any of those submissions ever even close for her level of skill versus no no none of them were close she was never under the chin um she never had anything locked in she didn't even have like maybe she had one choke like that she was on the chin, I think, in the entire fight. Yeah, she fight. was doing a lot of, like, neck cranking. Yeah, and that was about it. Like, she very rarely had her both hand, like, her hands clasped with the choke, and it was usually just, like, having an arm kind of thrown over, trying to get it under the neck, but then her other hand being controlled by Valentina, so. Yeah, so that's, and again, I think it was just, the like, the underdog angle. Like, no one thought, do you think this is probably one of the Valentina's worst 
performances or like worse showings or like yeah. optically? Yeah, it definitely was. I think optically and actually performance wise, um, don't get me wrong. I think she won this fight, but I do think she made quite a few mistakes in this fight as well, which we usually don't see her make. Yeah, the wrestling initiations were crazy. I think it's what her being kind of hard-headed again, like how she wanted to beat, um, who was it, Lauren Murphy at her own game and had that kind of boring. Like, yeah, she did the same thing to Jessica Andrade too. Yeah, exactly. So I think it was like she was trying to do that again, but then she was losing those 50-50 exchanges, and she shouldn't have done it through three rounds like you know like yeah. if it's not if you're getting reversed on in the first round like let's keep this standing and it was pretty consistent that she was getting reversed in the wrestling coming yeah. on the wrong end of it what about the headbutt that i, I think that broke uh santos's orbital yeah yeah she's definitely cut her open it. really bad yeah it was a broken orbital i mean it's an accidental headbutt yeah like it happens there's nothing you can do about it. it's not like it was intentional it was you know both fighters clash heads like valentina got the better of it but did it change anything in the fight like because valentina was winning the stand-up before that headbutt ever happened yeah no i don't think so really i mean it did change it a little bit valentina was able to just kind of throw to that side like the fourth round she just started going oh, all it was left completely side. swollen shut yeah yeah so i mean a little bit but i don't think it, people are acting like it completely changed the fight but Santos started gassing a little bit too and and Valentina did and it wasn't she couldn't it wasn't that she couldn't grapple anymore because she had a broken orbital like that doesn't change yeah. that doesn't mess with your grappling skills at all like you know if she was doing that in the first three rounds she should have been able to keep doing that in the fourth and fifth but no she was tired and Valentina was just starting to pour it on so all right last question do you think we get a first ever in a long long time favorable odds on valentina if if this rematch happens i hope so that's what i saw that was it my <laughs> the last thing i wanted to get out there was we very well may get some favorable odds and one last thing speaking of odds um and speaking of dc and all everybody that thought that santos was maybe ahead three rounds to none and valentina needed to finish it if you watch the live odds it was like minus 275 for valentina at, at going like from the fourth round going into the fifth round after everybody had said like she needs to finish blah 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 like at one point it was close at one point it was like i don't know she was just minus 120 shevchenko but going into the fifth round when they were like oh man i don't know she may be losing this fight she was like up to like a minus 275 or something yeah exactly i mean it's it's kind of ridiculous she i think she was clearly winning that fight um but what are you going to do? I mean, DC and them, they're just idiots. They <laughs> they see what they want to see. And, you know, I don't even think they go back and watch the fights to admit their mistakes. I'm sure DC is still spouting off that Santos won the fight. But uh, <laughs> same thing with whoever else was uh, was on that call. But, um, yeah, I think it was clear Valentina Shevchenko. I would love to get some a minus 200 ticket on her next time she fights Man. Santos. That would be, uh, a dream come be true. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, one last – the last fight will probably spend a, de- a somewhat decent amount of time, and then we can zoom through the rest of it. Um, Whaley Zhang versus Joanny and Jacek. A lot of factors here uh, that were in play maybe we got duped by because um, somebody knew that, like, Joanna was retiring after this fight. I mean, everybody had heard, like, it was a possibility, but I don't think I, – I didn't realize, like – I thought this was going to be a 50-50 fight, and so I wanted to take the underdog here. But it was clear that she was not, like, in her – like peak of her fighting i don't she didn't take two years off to get better she took two years off she took a conor mcgregor sabbatical 
And then she came back, and I don't want to say it was a poor effort because she definitely had the effort was definitely there, but she was not herself. Yeah, you know what? I think this was maybe maybe this isn't a popular opinion, but this is uh, I I should have uh, factored this into my pick, but uh, it's Zhang Weili in Asia. She's a she's a hometown fighter. She hates the hostile crowds, and uh, you know she's uh, could be. She's a different person when she gets out there in front of the uh, the Asian crowds compared to uh, compared to Florida's. Yeah, because she demolished a Jessica Andrade in China. Exactly. And that, yeah. was, that was like a 30-second fight. Yeah. She steamrolled her. She's an absolute monster in front of her hometown, but uh, her, her own people. But uh, she gets out there anywhere else, and she's, uh, you know, just a shell of herself. So That could be it. That could be... That could be a factor. I would not, if I'm a female fighter, I'm not fighting her anywhere outside of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. No, where yeah. I know she's scared. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, Joanna, she just uh, definitely, I think she had one foot out the door. Uh, it'd been two years off. I think, I don't think it was necessarily for sure a retirement fight. If she would have won. I don't think she was retiring. Um, but it seemed like it's more like she just wants to, wanted to compete for the title. So losing this fight kind of puts, closes the door on that for the foreseeable future and i don't think she planned i don't think she wants to fight as long as it would take her to get another title shot you know no. what I'm saying? and that makes perfect sense but at the same time like if that's your mindset going into it you basically have a foot out the door like you said like she i think that she was she has a lot of other opportunities that are much more profitable than cage fighting at this point so yeah, only fans i'd pay <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't gone to that point. <laughs> she hasn't gotten that far yet. Um, I think she she just uh, I don't I don't know. Like she did not look like herself. She got taken down right away, like three times, trying to get back up. She did not look like herself trying to get back up. She did get back up, but like, she took a beating the first two times she got taken down trying to get back up. Like I, I at one point it looked like she stopped fighting back. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. Um, I mean. Zhang just looked quicker. She's she's on all the juice, I think. Whaley Zhang, oh. Zhang Whaley, obviously it is. If you think but, Brazil, uh, if you think Brazil is willing to cheat and juice their athletes, like imagine what China's willing to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's on all types of substances. And then she just looks thicker every time she's out there. I think doesn't she? She looks big. Yeah, uh, her muscles are massive. Like she's jacked. She's a bulldog, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, she, yeah, she was firing on all cylinders, and like she was. I think Joanna was getting having a little bit of success in the start of the second round in some of the exchanges, but the first round was all Zhang, like just everything was working for her. Yeah, exactly. Sad to see end of an era for uh for Joanna there, but uh got Whaley Zhang. I'm sure uh I'm sure she'll choke when it comes back to uh the United States. Yeah, that is that's an interesting int- I mean, can she really lose to Carla Esparza though? Like is that even anything's possible <laughs> that's true that's true we've seen we've seen better fighters lose to carlos Esparza, so <laughs> yeah i guess anything is anything is possible but man yeah yeah end of an era for uh joanna though she's one of the few like female needle movers in uh in the sport so exactly yeah now it's just uh timid rose and uh i guess zhang Li. she's kind of a needle mover now it just depends which one you're gonna get right yeah and i'm sure she moves a needle massively in china which is at the end of the day that's all anybody cares about anyways is getting a chinese audience so yeah probably for the best i guess so um yeah also like a pretty wild knockout a spinning back fist that i didn't even think it landed that flush i thought it was just in the right spot yeah she went out cold it was uh yeah that yeah we've kind of forgot to even touch on that yeah, yeah that was uh that but, was a wild uh 
when people get knocked out like that, though, isn't that kind of like a conditioning thing? Like, do you think that shot would have knocked her out before? Like, it didn't, didn't look like it hit that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those. It was in a weird spot. It was like the but chin and neck kind of. It was like on the jawline right behind the ear, which is like the two things that. Yeah, but behind usually the, like the the behind the ear shot is usually one of the ones that just puts you on like deer legs, you know, like yeah. baby deer legs. But um, she was already off balance when it hit her. So she may have like, I don't know. She was face down, like arms. Yeah. At first, out. I didn't think she was actually she kind of fell weird where she was kind of like pu- posted up a little bit but then she like slumped fully down yeah, and she and, was out cold yeah and i just i don't know some the way it will look to me was like i it, this is an exaggerated example but it's like when like two guys that are like way out like they like a when bellator signs like old 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 dudes and then they fight and one of them just falls over like tank abbott versus kimbo slice yeah and it, that's an extreme example but it just didn't look like i mean it just didn't look like a normal like normal knockout but again it was a crazy shot so who knows but it, it'll definitely be on highlight reels it's, it's probably not the knockout you want for your last fight of your life but or last mm-hmm. fight of your career but at the same time it's not like uh anybody will really will go back to that one and remember that as like any yeah more more fighters on their career like that than they do uh <laughs> on top though you know that's a very very good point so she's in good company there um move on though uh jack della Versus uh, Ramazan Ali, Ami, this fight actually had a little bit of excitement to it. There was a uh, kind of some momentum, ch- a little momentum shift here. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to tell me about that because I was uh, out of town, so I was in California, and uh, as always when I'm out of town during a UFC pay per view, I hit over, went over to the Harkins movie theater to uh, watch the fights and the fight before this. I think it was kind of a barn burner, so I was in my car watching on my phone. Go in. And I don't know if they just, um, you know, hired off the straight bus for the Harkins uh, concessions workers, but uh, it took me about 20 minutes to get some uh, nachos and a drink. So I walked into the theater as um, Jack Della was knocking out Ameev. So I missed... I missed the adversity before that, but I heard about it. I saw kind of the replay. There was a, I mean, a, a choke, choke. Yeah, that Ameev almost had uh, submitted him. But, uh, yeah, all I saw was the knockout on this one. Yeah, well, first of all, let me tell you a story. Back in the day, one time I was at the Harkins in Tempe Town, uh, and uh, I was it was me and JP back in the day, and we were literally laughing at how slow they were moving behind the counter. They looked like they were like like moving underwater yeah it was crazy it's like they none of them knew how we we thought the girl was training but she wasn't it was like it was ridiculous they they the, took forever to fill up a bag of popcorn yeah they're like in slow motion back it's, there it's but literally like slow motion like they're like it's it's like a joke it's like if you tell like you do like the slow motion robot thing like they are so slow. It's so crazy. It blo- and the uh, the theater's back in full form from COVID. Like it was packed in there, and there was like super long lines. So you'd think they'd be rushing, but no, they had no sense no, of urgency at all. It's very much like the DMV. They're not yeah. in a hurry. They're not going anywhere, and you're not going to get them to speed up. So and you think they would be since everybody's got a showtime that they have to get to <laughs> urgently, but uh, they don't seem to care. They're not getting paid enough. Um, how much no. does it cost to watch the UFC fights at the Harkins? Twenty bucks. It's not bad. No, not bad at all. But you got, you know, instead of $80 pay-per-view, you got two people you are going, you know, yeah, me and Ashley go, it's 40 bucks instead of buying it for, for 80 That's not bad. Plus, you get a massive screen, and 
I I didn't even know they did that. Like I I, I knew you said that they do. Do they do it in Tempe every time? Yeah, they, every single Harkins is like a deal. So any any Harkins in the United States, I don't know where they're all at, but they're in Arizona and California for sure. And you get but, the loyalty cup from there, and then you can get fill, refills for oh, like a dollar yeah. fifty. Yep, I, I'm a loyalty cup holder. Dang, you got the free shirt too. Oh yeah, we uh, we do it big at the Harkins for the for the theater. So I. The only one I've gone to is the one in Tucson before this. The one in, I don't know if it's in Highland. I was in Highland, California. I don't know if this theater was specifically in Highland, California. That was about 15 minutes from where I was staying. But uh, this place was electric. Like the one in um, in Tucson, it's like a, you're watching a golf room or something. Like people like <laughs> just clapping very, you know, like very like quietly and stuff. This or was maybe a riot. A, Yeah, this was, uh, this theater was going off. It was like. <laughs> Every single strike that landed, people were like cheering and stuff. There's a more on a, a guy that I was gonna try to get on the podcast, uh, but he's my isn't he awesome? So I'll save him for for a little bit later here. <laughs> the super fan of this, the Harkin super fan. Oh yeah, yeah. I've never checked out this. I've never gone and watched him at the theater. I should do that sometime because that's actually not like a bad idea at all. Um, it's kind of a long time to sit there though, but I guess you can always go to the concession stand and yeah. I guess if you just go for the main card cause you can watch the right, you can watch the other fights. Yeah, I don't think they show the prelims or anything. Oh, so, so it probably is about the time, normal time of a regular movie. Yeah. Then. It's like two hours or so. Oh. This one seemed like it went by super fast, but yeah, there was a lot of finishes and I don't feel like there wasn't that much filler and like, they weren't trying to like, usually they just drag it out. Like maybe it had something to do with the timing or the time zone or whatever. I don't know. But this one didn't seem like they had as much filler. But yeah, pay per views they tr- usually try to get going pretty fast. Like they don't fill too much time. It's not like it's the ESPN cards where they like have to start a fight every thirty minutes, and there's a, a one a knockout in the first thirty seconds, and they got like yeah you know, twenty nine minutes and thirty seconds to kill. Yeah, that's when it gets bad, and then they have to show the same promos over and over and over. Yeah. So. Yeah, so anyhow, where were we even at here? We're going to talk about Jack Della getting stuck in an anaconda choke and then finishing the fight. Uh, anyways, I felt like he was a pretty solid lock there, uh, but that was kind of a scary – he was in a scary spot there. Um, but, again, like I, all, all I could say about this dude is he's definitely solid. Like, I mean, he's got like that that counterpunching ability and like that power that – he. I mean, put him down on a body shot and finished him off, which is – yeah, you know, like a young fighter like Jack Dell, this is what you want to see from him. getting through some adversity against a, a tough guy like Ameev. It's, uh, you know, Scott's kind of the limit for him, I feel like, right now. Yeah, definitely a guy that, like, is, is exciting. Um, Brennan Allen, J- Jacob Malkoon. Uh, this was actually a close fight on the scorecards. A split decision, maybe even? I think it was, yeah. I think I had Malkoon on my scorecard, but then again, I don't really know. I wasn't watching it that close, and like I told you right before the fight, I had to throw in a bet on Malkoon just because, for whatever reason, I get a kick out of fading Brendan Allen. Um, yeah, it almost worked. <laughs> and I, This is one where I, I mean, I, I was talking about it last week. I was going to go Brendan Allen and Parlays, but if I was betting it kind of just straight up, I'd probably go Malkoon because uh, – just like we said, Brent, Brennan Allen's just, I feel like, consistently overrated. And I think he showed that once again, like barely squeaking past uh, Jacob Malkoon here. Yeah, barely on only two of the judges' scorecards. Um, probably the most disappointing fight, though, of the night for us is uh, Andre Fialo versus Jake Matthews. Great fight, but disappointing to see that Andre Fialo, uh, I don't know if it's call it maybe fatigue from just running like a wild man doing five fights in 90 days or whatever it's been, but. He was not on his game here. Made Jake Matthews look like a world beater and like a, you know, like a absolute tactician boxer, which I don't believe he is. Um, he got outboxed by him. He got 
beat up, flat out beat up by Jake Matthews. Yeah, I was watching this. I just couldn't tell. I'm like, is it is Jake Matthews improved that much in his striking? Because he could have. I mean, it's he's still very young, even though we've he seen him good, fight dude. quite he a looked, bit. Like he, he was good so fast. Or is it like Andre Fialo? He's on his third fight in in three months, and he had to fly halfway across the country to to Singapore, the and he might have just got off the plane the night before from what <laughs> it looked like. So. Yeah. Um, he looked he looked off yeah he was uh slow he he did not look good jake matthews looked like he was on fast forward and fial looked like he was in slow motion it was just uh it was a bad performance it's one of those things where maybe fial learned a lesson here like don't try and go too fast like it's good to it's good to be active but there is a, a point where being too active can kind of start to hurt you more than it helps yeah at the same time uh he probably cashed in pretty significantly for fighting whatever however many times he's fought in the year but at what expense because he took a pretty nasty knockout yeah exactly and then the heat's off him right like he had tons of heat going into this fight like, yeah and now i feel like even us we're, we're kind of down on him right now and uh we were saying this is andre fiala podcast before and uh, i think we might be taking that back this week revoking the jlt privilege yeah yeah you don't get that after a performance like that you know yeah no i mean i think this is definitely a guy that proved himself in the division i'm sure he's got a decent number of fights lined up for you with the ufc and he'll he's fun to watch but yeah like i don't know if there's a fatigue factor like you said maybe jake matthews just improved a whole bunch i don't know but this was not a close fight um even if Fiala's best moments he was still getting outlanded yeah, I mean, they were talking to Jake Matthews saying a lot about, like, how he's been fighting safe and he's throwing it out the window and going back to being exciting. And, man, he really did it. He uh, he really looked unbelievable. And I, I just – I'm interested to see his next fight to see uh, if it was that Andre Fiala was just completely just kind of a shell of what we've been seeing from him. I mean, his last fight was easy, but his first one, which was only, like, two months ago against uh, Pereira, that was a that was a dog fight. And, yeah, and he was, he was close – that was a close fight. Yeah, exactly. So you got, yeah, the one was quick, but the one before that, which wasn't that long ago, which was still sooner than most fighters would be taking another fight, was For kind sure. of a war. So I think it could just be adding up on it. You know, your body can only, like, function at a high level for so long when you're just beating it up back to Constantly back Constantly like cutting weight and all everything else. Just, yeah. Yeah, who knows? We'll give him another shot. I think that's fair. Um, but anyhow... I think that's all we got for our recap here. Anything else from this card that uh, you want to bring up? or? Yeah, let's do a quick run through here because there is quite a few exciting fights, even some that we don't even have on here. So, yeah, we got, let's see, we got covered all the main card. Um, that uh, Choi Sung Woo versus uh, Joshua Kulabao. That oh, was, that uh, was insane, dude. Yeah, that was a great fight. <laughs> Those guys were taking each other's head off. Yeah, we got, um, let's see. Yeah, and that was really about it, I think. Uh, what was the other? The, uh, oh, yeah, the Kang Hung Ho versus uh, Dana Batrigal. That was kind of a close fight as well. Yeah, that was a pretty wild one. Um, Steve Garcia got knocked out by Machete. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, was crazy. Just, that, uh, that was a wild one, too. So, yeah, this was uh, this was just kind of electric from top to bottom, and uh, – you know, we like we said, it wasn't like the most stacked pay per view, but it was in Singapore. So, but everybody showed up. I mean, this is one of those ones where you're just like pumped after the card's over, you know? Yeah, and I'm looking at the archive right here, and there's there was zero bad fights on this entire card. No, yeah, 
this is one this is one of the ones where like i wanted like if i was like in town i'd be like let's just record like immediately after the car's over because <laughs> i was all jacked up yeah like, and i just our... want to talk about it yeah you just want to talk about it. then the next day you get up and start looking at uh Start looking at all the media, or you just leave, leave the TV on and watch all the post-fight stuff, which is usually terrible. But you just want to keep <laughs> watching the highlights and keep here talk, just talking about it. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm with you there 100. percent And this was a, a great card to kind of wrap up all the like that long run of like a boring, pretty lame uh, run we had, which happens. And again, like even the worst UFC, we talked about this last week too. Like even the worst UFC cards have good fights. Yeah, exactly. We're on kind of a roll now with the the Volkov versus Rosenstrike for a fight night was pretty pretty good and then we got ufc 275 and i'm you know this fight night we got coming up this weekend um it looks like it's something that could keep that uh keep that going so definitely all right then let's move on to our segments then it's a odd number week so it's my turn to go first i believe that sounds right right yeah all right um isn't he awesome just got to do a isn't he awesome retirement shout out for Joanna. um I think we already said our piece. Uh, uh, like I said, one of the few female actual needle movers in the sport. Um, her run in the beginning of her UFC career was insane. Like, I didn't think she was beatable. Um, I think she maybe got a little carried away, and that's how she lost her first fight to Rose. And who knows what else was going on behind the scenes. She's claimed it was a bad weight cut, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, like, the second half of her career was not as fruitful as far as victories but all her fights were insane so nothing nothing but excitement there and she did this all with zero knockout power which is the craziest part like yeah she was violent but she couldn't hurt people so she would just put it on them until they couldn't take it anymore so um she was always like a brawler always down to like throw down insane fights um obviously her first fight with Zhang Wei Li is probably the best female fight of all time. So, and uh, I mean, it ranks up there with any of the best fights of all time. So, um, shout out to her. And uh, too bad she won't be back. But I feel like I, I actually think it's a good thing to walk away at the right time instead of sticking around just because everyone loves you or everyone is like, you know, because you're a needle mover and you can keep making money from it. I think it's probably better off to walk away and have everybody remember like just the good fights that. Um, cause there was plenty of them. There was like seven or eight of them, right? She had five or six, ti- five title defenses. Yeah, definitely. Probably 10 fights total in the UFC, maybe 12 fights in the UFC. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Well, not really and say we'll probably see her again. She signed a deal right before this fight. So you think got, so? Yeah. She's got like five fights left in her contract. She re-signed her before this. So I wouldn't be surprised if she goes and does the family thing for a few years or whatever. And then like, that would, have, people forget she's not on a losing streak and she just like comes into a title shot off. You know, like, we always like we rip on Holly home. We rip on Holly, but like nobody got more title shots than Joanna back to back <laughs> yeah. to back. She got Yoel Romero, Romero situation where she got like five in a row. Exactly. She got to fight Valentina. She got to fight Rose. She got to fight Wei Lee. She got to fight. Her her only non-title fights were freebies, like against uh, uh, Michelle Waterson. Mm-hmm. She was yeah. a headliner. Dana loves Joanna. It's like that's it's like con- that's his, like his female kind, like the, <laughs> yeah. the fighter he loves the most in the female division. Yeah, he took good care of her. So anyhow, shout out to her. Uh, I maybe you're right. I don't know. Uh, she may. I mean, this may be a factor in her losing her fight. I didn't realize that she was like talking about having children and stuff like that. Like, is she? Maybe she has like a, a husband or something behind the scenes because she blamed one of her her first fight, loss to Rose. She blamed on um, like a bad breakup or something. Yeah, no, she's got some new dude, I guess. 
So, he might be poisoning her mind. I think so. He's trying to trying to get her out of the sport into the family life. But uh, I think she'll be back. You know. All right, that's actually a decent like a decent like take to state claim now because everybody's sure she's done. Yeah, no, you can't cage a wild animal like Joanna. <laughs> she'll be back. All right. Well, we'll take we'll. Uh, We'll document this because, like I said, you're the first person I've even heard even consider that because everyone else just seems well. People are excited to be like put a bow on her career, like like memorialize it. So, yeah, you may, you yeah. may be you very well may be right. Right after they put her in the Hall of Fame, she'll be uh, she'll be signing. <laughs> well, on she'll be, uh, that'll be t- next month. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the way the UFC does stuff, she'll be in the Hall of Fame next month. So anyhow, I better move to my call out here. I got DC uh, just. Like, is nobody going to pull him aside and just be like, dude, you got to chill on your personal scorecards because they're always insane. Wrestling is not the only thing that's going on out here. Like, taking somebody down doesn't mean you're winning the fight. you got to stop telling people that this cards are this way so then that way when they turn out to be the opposite and you're wrong. Like, is, is nobody ever going to bring that up to him? Yeah, he's causing so much, like, drama <laughs> and, like, controversy because he wants to be a judge and not a fucking <laughs> commentator. It's unbelievable. Like, you have a job, and it's to call what you see in the fights, not to, like, and give your personal scorecards. He's cards. good at calling the fights. It's just the scorecards are always, scorecards are always way off. Yeah, break down the wrestling. You don't need to score it based on what you're, based on the wrestling that you think is all important. Like, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. He's causing, like, a ton of people that don't know you know, casuals that are watching the fights to think they won their, you know, huge minus or plus 400 bet on Tulia Santos and then just be going nuts when it doesn't happen because the fight was scored the correct way. Like, if you ever, if you are one of these people that thinks like, and I've been, a, I've been guilty of this myself where I'm like, the commentary is not going to influence me. I've watched a billion fights in my life. Go back and watch fights. Like, I used to do this when I would like, be on a treadmill watching fights with i'd be listening to music so i wouldn't be hearing them when you're not listening to the commentary and this happens with rogan all of them you will see it'll be look like a completely different picture no matter how much you think the commentary doesn't uh doesn't influence you yeah it definitely does it definitely does. i think i can tune out dc just because i know how fucking terrible <laughs> how, he, how is at, he is yeah at trying to score these things like if if dc is scoring a fight one way you can almost guarantee that it's going to be the judges are going to see it a different way <laughs> um you know it's like you're doing multiple things so like just cool it on on giving your your scorecards like it's unbelievable and then he doesn't even know which rounds are which half the time he'll be yeah. saying like this was- person won this round when they clearly didn't and then they actually they it was round one he's talking about. So it's like he's not it's not like he's even writing stuff down to try and get it right. He's just like just going, you know, free range off of whatever he just feels like saying at the time about who won and who lost and who did what. And isn't it weird, though, like any this happens with all fighters because you can see all their reactions on Twitter and stuff. They train every single day. They watch every single fight. They fight themselves. They know everything. And they're not there's like no consensus ever. Like no. somebody. Like there were people said there were fighters saying that Santos won four rounds to one and like yeah it, like how there's never a consensus like nobody it's really bizarre well it's tough to score it live when like everybody I think part of the problem is everybody's trying to score it when they're not actually trying to score it they're just watching it and then trying to score it when if you actually tried to watch it to score it you'd yeah. come out with a completely different thing. Like half the fighters are probably drinking or whatever. And <laughs> you know, like, Oh, Santos is doing good. Like, 
you know? she, yeah, she's doing better than I thought. I'll give her the round. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think it's just uh, not a lot of people even know the rules exactly. I mean, I'm sure the fighters do That's for the most point. part, but uh, a lot of other people don't. So. so a lot of the fighters probably don't know the rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just go out there and do what the coach tells them or whatever. All right, so that's it for my call-outs. What do you got this week for your Isn't He Awesome and your call-out? Okay, Isn't He Awesome. I, I touched on it a little bit. So went to the Harkins out there in California. So there's a guy. He is just absolutely insane. Uh, we're giving him my Isn't He Awesome. Don't know his name. We're just going to call him Cowboy Hat Guy. So he's got bleach blonde mullet. Oh, um, nice. A cowboy hat, and he's just the biggest UFC fan, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he had just bleed painted on his chest under his shirt, but they just wouldn't let him take it off in the theater because uh, this guy was just a UFC super fan. He didn't sit down the entire fight. He was standing up. Not only was he standing up, he was shadow boxing up and down the center aisle that splits the uh, lower seats from the uh, full upper shadow box. Yeah, full shadow boxing the entire way down the theater so he would start at one side shadow box all the way to the other side shadow box all the way back every strike that landed he's going nuts he's word for word doing the um fighter announcements with bruce buffer oh my he's god like, eh, was it and it wasn't annoying he was he was doing it right to where it wasn't annoying the first minute or two i was annoyed with them and then i'm like this then I just was like, "All right, this guy's just having a great time." I started, I started announcing the uh, the calls with Bruce Buffer with them. I'm like, and still, <laughs> like, yeah. So he won, he won you over. He won me over real quick. Just like he was very passionate. And I feel uh, like you, you like you, similar to me, you kind of have like a shorter fuse with stuff like that. Usually, if something's annoying, like you don't really. Yeah, usually something like that would piss me off so much, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it just, I think part of it too, it's got the rest of the theater super into the fights too. So I think that's why everybody was going so crazy. This guy, like, single handedly got the whole place, Dang. like, rocking. So, yeah, he was every strike that landed, he's going nuts. Like, any fight, you could tell which fighter he liked. He was pretty much like a, on any hype train. Like, he was big on Fialo. As soon as Fialo <laughs> was coming up, he's like, yeah, well, that's, Fialo. I mean, that's better than just being like, you're the only fighter you know is Conor McGregor. And yeah, <laughs> no, he was like a diehard super fan. He, he's going, Jack Della, he's like screaming, you did it for me, Della, you did it. He must have had a bat on him or something. He was just, he was wild. He was out there. He had, had the mullet. He was just going nuts. The shadow boxing is what killed me. Once I saw him <laughs> shadow boxing up and down the aisle, I was just, I was rolling. It was a, uh, he was something else. I just uh, wish I was sitting. I was sitting front row. I always just sit front row because they have the reclining seats. So I just and I don't like anybody being in front of me. But I wish I was on the seats on the other side of the aisle so I could have filmed the guy. But um, I didn't want to turn <laughs> around and film him, so we didn't get any uh, any footage of uh, this psychopath. But yeah, so we got to give him a shout out for sure. Um, weekly call out. Uh, we're gonna go Zhang Wei Lee. Um, just the fact that she is still so shook at just entertaining the idea of fighting an American on American soil so much that she just had maybe one of the performance, you know, the second best performance of her career, probably her big, probably one of her, yeah, one of her biggest wins for yeah, sure. Besides first, you want to fight. And yeah. the first thing she gets interviewed, who do you want to fight next? You know, the first thing she's thinking about after she wins, like one of the biggest fights of her career is. I want to fight Carlos Barza. And right after that, she says, but in Abu Dhabi, because 
It's not my home turf. It's not ho- her home turf. Dang. It's neutral soil. She's just won the biggest fight of her career, and she's worried about fighting an American in America, and she needs it to be in Abu Dhabi so it's neutral territory. She is so in her own head uh, yeah. about this whole thing. It's absolutely insane. It's like, you're a fighter. You go and fight where the UFC goddamn tells you. You're not the champion anymore. Like, you don't get to call where these fights are made. Like, you go and fight. If you want the shot title shot, you go and fight where Carlos Barza wants her. You go and fight where yeah. the UFC tells you. Like, y- like, to think that you get to make the call that it's on neutral soil because you're, like, so terrified. And if th- just the fact that she's thinking about that after it, yeah. like, immediately after winning the fight and thinking she should get the next title shot her first thought is like this has to be on neutral ground like the usa chance got her got her that bad so rattled yeah it's like you're a world-class fighter and like you can't even consider the idea of having to fight somewhere where it's not your home crowd or at least not neutral or something it's just absolutely insane to me it's like the opposite mindset you think you'd want as a world champion fighter. And she can never, she's not a world champion fighter, right? She should be the, uh, you know, if she wants to be fighting in Asia all the time, go fight, be the rising world champion. <laughs> Fuck. One championship, dude. You never yeah. told you Singapore. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have to give Pat credit. He told me on Saturday that the Asians are usually, he picked her because she was in Asia fighting in Asia. And he said that they usually do better. Yeah, definitely. She and did, I, for sure. Yeah, and I didn't know. I thought she was just a head case all over because of her previous losses and stuff. I was like, man, two vo- two losses in a row? She might not be the same per fighter ever again. No, I think it's just uh, it's an age thing. She has to fight in Asia or, or neutral ground. We'll see. How- Wasn't she tra- – where was she? She was training in China, but then I thought she was doing camps in the United States. Yeah, with Henry Cejudo in Arizona. Yeah, like, but that was – was this last one was she in the United States for? I'm not sure if she was or not. I think she might have went back to China for this one, actually. Or maybe split time a little bit but before. But I think she did the majority of this camp in China or somewhere over there because it's kind of sync up with the time zones. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point, though, that she's... She, she, can't, she can't handle... Yeah, I just... As soon USA as she chance. said that, like, the first yeah. thing out of her mouth is, like, I need my next fight to be in neutral territory, like... What is that? That's unbelievable. It's pretty strange. Of all the things to be, of all the things to get worked up about, is uh, USA chance should not really be that high on the list. No, no, it's just I don't know what's going on over there in China, but you know, <laughs> no one does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't allow us to. So she probably thinks we're all like two-headed monsters. Oh with, my like, gosh, it's a good point, dude. Kill, she might like, be watching the news over there. The and getting... CCP, like the state-run television, they probably she probably thinks like we're all like. You know, that's, school shooters or something. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. That could be playing a huge toll on her psyche. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they, they have quite a bit of propaganda going over there. <laughs> that's a great point. It's pretty deep, but it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, anyone else to call out? Uh, Andre Fiala, shit in the bad. You are borderline getting cut off by the JLT podcast, so make sure, you know, take yeah. your time if you need to on this next one because one more fight and uh, – you know, we uh, we got to drop you. The worst thing for him it, in his case, and I know we all joked about it in the group chat, is like you've already got fraud accusations against you because you like have some bad, like a sketchy past on your record. And then you go on a little run. It's like, oh, he's the guy. Did the guy figure it out or is he on a lucky run? And then you have a bad loss and it, everyone's initial reaction is, oh, he's a fraud. He just had a couple lucky wins. Yeah, exactly. which is a terrible way to like judge people who've are cage fighting for a living and like doing an insane sport where anybody can get knocked out at any time but 
it's how what, it works. That's what we do. Yeah, it's how it works. It's uh, yeah, it's how it works. So that's what they signed up for. But anyhow, <clears throat> I guess we can move on to our UFC fight night, Austin, Texas, Cater versus Josh Emmett. Um, an electric fight night again, front of a live crowd, as far as I know. Uh, again in Austin, Texas. Um, they did. They're doing it big for us on this fight night, which is awesome. Great main event. Calvin Cater minus two thirty-five. Josh Emmett plus one ninety. Interesting line here. I don't think it's too far out of line. The one thing is that always happens is Josh Emmett always gets undervalued. Um, unfortunately, in this fight, he doesn't throw enough volume. So if he can't knock his guy out or like really dominate the counter strikes or like you know just manage to land a few bombs here and there. He's not going to win the fight. Calvin Cater doesn't strike me as a guy. We know his chin is unreal, and we know he also is got great stand-up. So coming out the best performance of his career, um, so I think Calvin Cater's the rightful favorite here. I wish the line was closer though, because I wish I could get some value. I wish like people would be like Josh Emmett's underrated. Let's juice him away up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm on Calvin Cater for sure on this one. As we know, Calvin Cater, he's a known midget beater. Josh Emmett. <laughs> midget so that's a, you know actually that's yeah i forgot that that that's your perfect diagnosis of the scenario yeah kelvin cater is a known midget beater so he dominates <laughs> these guys these short guys and uh josh emmett i don't think will be any different like you said he josh emmett he the only way he wins really is by knockout i mean he is a very very skilled fighter he's got power and uh his counter striking is very good but um kelvin cater just being the bigger taller taller longer stronger fighter i think he's going to be able to uh to win this fight he looked really good against giga i think it was in his last fight yeah, and, he dominated uh, giga. He yeah destroyed giga. his one win versus uh, versus a tall guy so maybe he's changing that around maybe it's just uh you know an everyone beater now but um yeah i think I, I like kelvin cater a lot in this one yeah and i'm just looking over to, uh, josh emmett's record he hasn't lost since uh, that jeremy stevens loss in 2018 that like probably jeremy stevens best career win where he knocked him out and then he landed that like monster bomb completely on a completely yeah. unconscious josh emmett but he's been uh emmett's been solid like i like i want to say this is a closer fight than the line predicts projects but i i whether or not it is or isn't it this is a a really good matchup yeah it is but it's just like it just comes down to like I, josh emmett i feel like the only way he wins is by knockout in this fight he and he doesn't throw enough is the problem for yeah. him. That's he's that's what he's going to run into is he has, he's going to he's going to be behind on the scorecards in the first two minutes. Yeah, Kelvin Cater's a volume guy versus a non-volume guy power puncher. So yeah, it's like and Kelvin Cater's got a chin. So it's like Josh Emmett's kind of uh, he's fighting an uphill battle here. Exactly, and he's a midget. So yeah, and yeah. more of like a I don't know if midgets. I don't midget may not be first of all that I'm using midget as a nice word. There's like a he's more like a orc troll thing. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's like a yeah a midget would be like an upgrade for him. Yeah, he's more of like a Lord of the Rings orc troll miniature version. He or really does. They could like do no makeup and he could participate <laughs> in one of those like Hobbit movies or something. Yeah, he's he's something. Um, but anyways. Uh, Another retirement fight coming up here. We got Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. This was the infamous. We were supposed to watch Donald Cerrone ride off into the sunset on the Phoenix card, but he got he went to Filiberto's. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Got food poisoning. <laughs> Philly bees. Now he's a minus 165 favorite against Joe Lozon, plus 145. I don't even know how to rank this line. Uh, I don't know, like... I guess you could look at it two ways. You could say this is a close fight. You want to take the underdog, or you could say that Cerrone's a little more seasoned and a little more been a little more active and fought a little like historically fought a little higher competition. So maybe that's why he's got the edge here. I believe both of these guys are retiring. Yeah, that's what it seems like. So both we don't know where anyone's heads at. To be honest, no, we don't. I'm going. I was on Donald Cerrone on the last one. I'm switching up. I'm going Joe Lowe's on here. Um, after, you know, Eden Filiberto's before his retirement fight, he clearly didn't want to fight at all. Yeah. So I think Joe Lozon at least wants this one last fight, whereas Cerrone might not want any fights and is just doing this because he feels like he needs one before he retires here. So, um, yeah, we're going Joe Lozon. Donald Cerrone, notorious slow starter. Uh, Lozon, you know, these guys both have had really long careers in the UFC. They've both had, like, huge ups and downs, and uh, I think it's a pretty even even fight going into it here. Um, so we'll just go Lozon and try to get some uh, underdog money on it. All right. I don't, <clears throat> I don't mind that play at all. Again, if you're careless enough about your career to go to Filiberto's before their fight, <laughs> you probably are half out the door. Yeah. So... <laughs> You're probably not taking your career very seriously at that point. So I like how he acts like it's fact that he went to Filiberto's, <laughs> but it almost has to be. Mexican food gave him food poisoning in Phoenix. Come on now. There's one on every corner. Yeah, it has to be. Fresh off a weight cut, he was like, dude, I'm so hungry. Get me the first thing I can find. I oh, mean, yeah. You can't throw a rock and not hit a Filiberto's around here. So and If you stand around my house, everything else closes at like 7 p.m. now since the pandemic. So Filiberto's is the only thing open at 2 a.m. or whatever. Yeah, and if he would have just said regular food, I would have accused Jack in the Box, but uh, he just <laughs> definitively said it was Mexican food, so it had to Could be. Could have been the food. tacos from Jack in the Box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those are even count as Mexican food. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's another. That's a, another JLT investigation. That's maybe someday we'll get uncovered. Um, all right, we got the uh, the Black Batman, Kevin Holland versus Tim Means. Uh, Kevin Holland minus 265 coming off another heroic, um, what, a- civilian act? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was so uh, riding a high here. Another superhero type deal. Dude, the guy has stopped like shooters. He's stopped rolled over cars. He stopped carjackings. He does it all. And he, hey, I think we got to wait. Let's let's shoot a tweet at Donald Cerrone and just ask him, did you, was it, was it or was it not Filiberto's that you ate before? Hey, he could answer that, you know? It's a fair question, too. I yeah. don't even know if he's on Twitter, but we'll, maybe Instagram. Maybe we'll reach out and try to find out. It would be interesting to know, though. Um, but I think Filiberto's has to be like that, you know, like the minus 450 clubhouse favorite. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's more than that. It's minus 1,000. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe we'll find that out. But anyhow, t- uh, Kevin Holland minus 265, Tim Means plus 215. Tough fight for me to break down here because this seems like pretty good line for Kevin Holland. Because, But I've always like historically underestimated Tim Means because he's slow. He is pretty unassuming looking. Um, but, I mean, he gets – he. I don't, I don't want to say he gets the job done because it's not like he is like – you know, he's kind of a middling guy. But – He's a better fighter than I give him credit for. And maybe Kevin Holland is 
on the downside of his big run he had last year. I don't know. This should be a Kevin, easy Kevin Holland win, right? Is that what, that's what my brain's telling me. Yeah, it seems like that. But this is one that I was kind of going back and forth, and I'm like, Kevin Holland, I don't know. It's just we've seen two Kevin Hollands multiple times, you know, like so many times. We don't know which one we're going to get. Is it like the guy that's going to make stupid decisions and talk too much, or <laughs> are we going to get the guy, um, you know, that's stopping uh, – the superhero Kevin Holland in the octagon so but this but the one that's talking too much he's like fighting Marvin Vittori and like he's fighting like the very top of the division at that time yeah he's losing but he's fighting like Derek Brunson and these guys that are this is Tim Means like so here's ultimately why I landed on Kevin Holland this is this is at 170 so yeah which he says he's only fighting there now right yeah yeah those losses all came at 185 I, I I think that's too you know too high of a division for him i think 170 is his uh his sweet spot um the Oliveira fight he didn't look great at 170 that was his first one back but uh then Olivera he did look great slickster. in the second oh, is kind of a slickster though yeah and, and tim means isn't that so i uh, yeah i think being at 170 is going to help him i think he's gonna be quicker than tim means tim means is going to be in his face though so um that's why i get worried like which Kevin Holland are we going to see? Because Tim Means is going to be coming forward, right? And uh, he's going to be trying to make it a fight. Kevin Holland could easily get sucked in by Tim Means and making this a lot closer because he should be able to just stay on the outside and kind of pick Tim Means apart as he walks inside. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, shouldn't shouldn't Kevin Holland be like minus 400 here? Is that crazy? I don't know. Maybe minus 300, but I think it's just the fact you got to factor in like what Kevin Holland are we going to see? I think that's why the line is a little closer than you'd think. Yeah, I just, I yeah, I don't know. It's closer. It's just a, it's a lot closer than I thought. But again, that's going on the on the same basis that like I never like Tim Means just looks like a the dirty white bird. guy. Yeah, a white guy you'd see at the bar. Yeah, but he gets wins, so he does, and he's a grinder, and he's he makes it happen. So, um, but like again, maybe it's just I have a uh my my uh, assumptions about him are have been incorrect. So. Anyhow, yeah, I'm, I think we're both on Kevin Holland here, and I, again, I like the line. So um, we'll find out if uh, that may be an error. But uh, Joaquin Buckley versus Albert Durarev. Durayev. Durayev. Uh, huge favorite on Joaquin Buckley, minus 220 for Durayev versus Buckley, plus 180. Um, Buckley, per, another perfect example of a guy that was <laughs> Andre Fiala 1.0. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This one, this one's kind of a tough one. I think I don't know. Duraev, I was impressed, but also not impressed in his last fight. If remember, it was that Kopalev fight. Remember that kind of curly-haired dude. Uh, he got his ass kicked by Duraev, but he kept going into the th- kind of won the third round. I think Duraev started to gas a little bit. Um, Let me look up that cart. Which cart? Uh, Kopalev. Yeah, Roman Kopalev. It was. Uh, yeah, uh, block. Which that was on the share. last block, which is share card. I missed a bunch of those fights. So oh, okay, yeah. So I don't know. I think I'm going. I'm going to take underdog money here and go Joaquin Buckley. Um, Derive. I just think he has some holes. That Kopalev. I think Derive was like one for ten and takedowns. It's a wrestler, and he wasn't able to take down that Kopalev that easily. That he was kind of a a grinder. I mean, Joaquin Buckley. I think, he, you know, he can do anything out there. So. I don't know. I could easily see him getting dominated, taken down, and kind of held there. He gasses, so I I don't know. I'm just I'm hoping uh, on a on a knockout by Joaquin Buckley here early. So yeah, I think Buckley's looked pretty good too. I know he had a couple 
he again like you said Viala 1.0 he had a great run and then he got exposed and then he's kind of find his found his spot somewhere in between yeah the I'm highs and lows the, like Buckley he's pretty strong I'm kind of on him being able to stuff the takedowns early he is that, really strong and yeah, he's got some power too exactly but that's gonna drain his gas tank so if he he needs to be able to stuff these takedowns early and start landing on drive and hurt him um because if he doesn't if he gets taken down early and gets his gas tank dra- drained that way he could just just this could be an awful fight for Buckley but it could also I, I just think if Duraev is going to get flustered, if he's not able to get that takedown early, and he's going to, you know, kind of not look good on the feet. So um, hopefully Buckley can can piece him up, can stuff the takedowns early and piece him up, and uh, at least get two rounds in. If it goes to decision, at least win the first two or knock him out in the first two. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. I guess I, I I just don't know enough about Duraev to make any crazy assumptions. I just, um, but I'm surprised Buckley's as much of an underdog as he is. Like. He's gotten the he's gotten the nod in a lot of a uh, re- lot of a uh, recent spots. Yeah, but anyhow, we'll move on to Adrian Yanez versus Tony Kelly. Uh, Adrian Yanez minus three fifty. Tony Kelly plus two seventy. This is one where I would probably say the line is right in line with where it should be. Um, the last time we saw Tony Kelly, he was beating Randy. They had a mutual opponent, Randy Costa, who I guess fraud is probably the best word for. Sorry to say that about the guy, but. Nowhere near, uh, nowhere near where people thought he would be. Again, Randy Coast is pretty young, but talk about a guy with a terrible gas tank. That would be your guy right there. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, this is probably just. Uh, I don't know how Adrian Inez's wrestling is, but I feel like he's just way ahead in the stand up. Yeah, I'm all over Adrian Inez here. He's gonna be the quicker. Um, he's more technical. Tony Kelly, he can, you know, he can brawl a little bit here, but. Um, Adrian Yanez, I think he's just going to kind of pick him apart, and you should get the uh, the dub here. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm on that boat as well. Uh, here's a tricky one. Court McGee versus Jeremiah Wells. Uh, where is the line for this one? Court McGee minus 120, Jeremiah Wells plus 100. Uh, Court McGee's another guy where I like. I, I always thought he, I never think he's going to win fights, and then he always – he's like – I'm smart enough to know now, after all these years, that he does win fights. Yeah, right. Who did I get him on last? Who he beat? Somebody who was an underdog. He beat. He, uh, Ramiz. Bra- yeah, and Brahma. Brahma. Yeah, and Brahma. Brahmamov was undefeated, if I remember correctly. But even this, Court McGee was. Oh, he finished as an underdog, but he opened as a favorite. He's a grinder. He gets the job done one way or another. He's super strong. He's been around forever. What did he, he was on like one of the early seasons of Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, I think like eight or something. <laughs> yeah, um, died of a drug overdose and came back to life. They'll definitely talk about that at least ten times. They always do. Um, but Jeremiah Wells is more of like a specimen, dude. This guy's pretty good. Yeah, he is. He's he's got tons of power. He's he's wild. It's just Court McGee, like you said, he is a grinder. He's only got one loss by knockout in his career. Um, and we haven't really seen Jeremiah Wells. What what's going to happen if we've got to get into deep water? And Court McGee's a guy that can take him into deep water. This is one I've been kind of going back fifty fifty on um, close lines. So you can see why. But basically, this fight's just going to play out one of two way, two ways. Jeremiah Wells is going to take him out early, or he's going to gas trying and court McGee is going to take over. So it's, uh, you hate for your guy to be in that position where they have to win by knockout. Yeah. It's a tricky one. Um, I don't know. I, I was kind of leaning Jeremiah Wells, but I might switch it up here and go court McGee. Um, I just think 
Yeah, I'm going to go Corey McGee. I think he's a savvy veteran. He's going to uh, be able to withstand kind of the uh, early onslaught um, that uh, that Jeremiah Wells is going to bring on, and then he's going to be able to pull away in the later rounds and, you know, two, maybe halfway through round two, take over, steal that round and win round three. Could even get a finish, I think, maybe a submission victory. Um, and, uh, yeah, get the, get the dub that way, so... Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go Court McGee on this one. Um, like I said, he's he's twenty one and ten. Court McGee is, but nine losses by decision, only one by knockout, none by submission. So I, I don't know. I just don't see him losing a decision to, which is how he loses the majority of fights. His fights, I don't see him losing a, a decision to Jeremiah Wells though. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of those fights are against top competition that he's been. He's been in the UFC forever. Like. He's been uh he's been around a long time. I don't I don't know who I'd take in this fight. This is probably one I would avoid just because of the it's it's enticing because the line is close, so whoever you pick, if you're right, you're gonna do well, but it's a tough, tough one to pick. Yeah, exactly. All right, this one is not gonna be tough for me to pick. Uh where are we at? It's Cody Stamen versus Eddie Wineland. I thought Eddie Wineland was dead or retired or both. Uh, he's currently a plus 400 underdog against Cody Stamen, minus 550. This is... Yeah, we don't really even have to, we <laughs> this, don't really have to break this one down. This is an it's, odd uh, fight to even make, right? Yeah, when I saw this, I saw Cody Stamen versus Eddie Wild, and I'm like, what? I thought it was an old fight when I saw the... Uh, <laughs> Cody Stamen posted a fight, and I, I thought it was like from his debut or something. Like, oh, I remember when I fought Eddie Wineland six years ago, yeah. my debut. Cody Stamen's going to take him down and, and beat him up. So <laughs> that's about as much of a breakdown as we need on this one. Cody Stamen's the pick. Yeah, there you go. All right, Phil Hawes versus Dar- Darren Wynn. Duran Wynn, plus 210. Phil Hawes, minus 260. Tough. The only thing tough about this situation is both these guys can lose, but Duran Wynn can always lose. Like, he's unwinnable. Yeah, I think I think basically Phil... Phil Hawes is just like a, a better version of Duran Wynn. So bigger too. Yeah, a bigger. You have to be bigger. He's this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to be. So yeah, the the mini DC is just never really lived up to uh, to the hype, and uh, I don't think he will here either. I think Philip Hawes just a little bit better, a little bit bigger, and uh, I think he'll uh, he'll get the win here versus Duran Wynn. Duran Wynn cannot have very many fights left in his UFC career. No, DC is the only reason he's still under contract with the UFC, I feel like. It's got to be. It has to be. I mean, this guy has not looked good. DC probably wrote it in his commentary contract, like you got to keep Duran <laughs> Wynn on the roster for as long as he wants. He to really is a mini-me, though. He really does look like a DC mini-me. Yeah. <laughs> He's on a one-fight win streak, though. Yeah, but he beat arguably the worst guy I've ever seen. <laughs> that guy was terrible. <laughs> Anton, Anton Arroyo or whatever his name yeah. was. That guy was arguably the worst. Uh, him and Danilo Marquez are the worst fighters I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, interesting one here. Kyle Dawkins versus Roman Dolize. Uh, Dawkins minus 250. Dolize plus 200. Um the the brother's keeper the kept brother the uh yeah the kept brother i mean i think we got to go with him on this one though i think uh i think he'll beat roman delize here um i think he's got a good ground they both have good ground games um but i think that'll kind of cancel out there but um i think kyle or kyle docks yeah his uh 
striking's kind of coming along. Delize is just so kind of stiff on the feet. Yeah, he's whatnot. pretty slow too. Yeah, I think I think he'll be able to at least nullify Roman Delize on the ground and uh, and to win the striking exchanges. Um, so yeah, we'll go with uh, Kyle Dawkins here. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Roman Delize the guy that stole JP Buys' girlfriend, wife? Cheyenne buys. I believe so. So we don't like him for that either. Well, yeah. I mean, he's in a totally different ball. He's in a totally different lifestyle now, uh, living that life. Um, we don't know what effect that may, that may have. I have a feeling that's probably uh, a tumultuous relationship. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows where that's going to be going? So that could uh, that you could know. give that could give. You got Kyle Dawkins who's sleeps like a baby every night because he's got his brother protecting him at all times yeah exactly and you got roman delize who has jp buys knocking on his front door at all hours of the night trying to get his girl back so plus his girl who looks like she may be capable of stabbing him in the night because she had a nightmare that he cheated on her or something yeah exactly so, so yeah. yeah i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with Dawkins here for the for the sake of uh stability exactly so yeah kyle Dawkins, i think he's uh it's kind of you know, come breaking out of uh, his brother's cage a little bit. So um, we'll uh, we'll see if uh, he's he escaping, can keep it up. escaping his shadow. Yeah, exactly. And his brother's kind of on the do- decline. So like, yeah. he might turn into one of these. You know, the cap becomes the keeper. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny that he has that tattooed on his chest. <laughs> yeah, his fat chest. <laughs> <laughs> The Dawkins bros, though, they do have a lot to be proud of. They came out of pretty much out of nowhere in the last two years, and they've been all over. So yeah, they're getting it done. I feel like they win as a team and lose as a team. So they're like, I, even though Kyle's been on a down or uh, uh, Chris has been on a downward uh, slide, Kyle's been holding it down for him. Yeah, it does. It does seem like that. They're never both on at the same time. It's like yeah. it started off where. Um, yeah, Chris was was winning and Kyle was losing, and now Kyle's starting to win, and uh, and Chris is just taking knockout loss after knockout loss. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know. You never know when when you're, um, you know, you're doing the bro thing in the fights. So, anyhow, uh, is there anything else in this card that you want to point out before we wrap things up? Um, I don't. Think this so. has been one of our more detailed recap and breakdowns in a long time just because we've had the we have the we got the material we yeah got the fights to talk we got that we got something to talk about so then we got we, julian marquez most notably known for totally botching a date with miley cyrus yeah um, professional bag fumbler yeah ricardo ramos he's gonna be somewhat exciting um other than that, that's about it. Um, should be a decent card. I'll do a, a quick recap of the picks. Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. We're going Calvin Cater. Beating up uh, the midget Josh Emmett. Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. Joe Lozon is taking the uh, the RMF belt, the you know retirement motherfucker <laughs> belt or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, Tim Means versus Kevin Holland. We're going Kevin Holland and hoping uh, he doesn't go – off the rails on this one. Joaquin Buckley versus Albert Duraev. Um Going out, Joaquin Buckley, I kind of already feel like that's a terrible pick, but, um, you know, do it do with that what you will. Um, Adrian Yanez versus Tony Kelly. We're going Adrian Yanez. Court McGee versus Jeremiah Wells. We switched it up mid-breakdown uh, mid to Court McGee, so we're going Court McGee with that one. Eddie Weiland versus Cody Stamen. Obvious Cody Stamen pick on that. 
Phil Hawes versus Darren Wynn. Going Phil Hawes. And we Roman Delize versus Kyle Dawkins to cap it off. We're going with the uh, the cap brother, Kyle. Kyle kept Dawkins. That should be his uh, <laughs> his nickname. My brother's keeper on one chest and kept by my brother on the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're never gonna let him live that down. I would be I would be upset if that was my brother. Yeah. I would have him cover up that tattoo. I would be like, why did you get this? What possessed you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like I hope did he consult with do you think Chris consulted with Kyle before he went out, or did you think it was like his birthday present or something? I would have to know Check the age what difference. I got. You for your birthday. I got a tattoo that says I'm your keeper on it. Dedicated to you, bro, to show everybody that you're a pussy. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully there's not some, like, third Dawkins brother that's dead that would just been, like, <laughs> fucking going off about it being for Kyle. On Jeez, his. that would really ruin, like, a two-year-old joke. <laughs> <laughs> we really need to do a JLT investigation on that. Yeah, before we... Uh, this For all the JLT investigations, this one needs to be done before we... I mean, we can't undo what we've already done, but anyhow... We could apologize at least before <laughs> we could get the Dawkins brothers show up at our door. <laughs> we could get out ahead of it. Yeah. Uh, all right, then. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up, though. Um, uh, we'll be back next week to recap uh, everything that goes down this week and probably possibly preview another something, maybe. Yeah, I think we got like 10 fights cards in a row, so... Yeah. Starting with UFC 275. Looks so. like possibly another good one. So we'll be back next week to recap and preview. Uh, until then, though, good luck on your picks and enjoy the fights and have a good one. Peace. I get it, then it's gone, boy. First come, first serve. Forget what you heard. I'm 
Yeah. 